Wednesday morning and this is Kathleen Dillahunt and I've come today to talk to you about the beautiful King Jesus that we follow. Let's pray and then I'll start. Father God, I want to thank you for the beauty of today. I want to thank you more than we can ever know with grateful hearts for the way that you intervened, Father God, on our behalf as a country, South Africa, and that we are now on the 22nd of March, having had the strikes, having had the uprising that was threatened on the 20th, and we saw the glory of God, the peace of the Prince of Peace, and the absolute revelation, revelation that no matter what the threats, threats are from the enemy, to bring terror, violence, and fear. We serve the King of Kings, the King above all kings, the mighty God, and we are covenanted with Him. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. I pray that as I minister today, Father God, the seven spirits before the throne will brood over me. I pray, Lord Jesus, for the most incredible revelation that my words will be anointed with your words. I do not want to speak anything from my heart. I want to speak from your heart. And that people will grow and people will get revelation and people's lives will be transformed because they hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the people. Thank you for that today. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, as I started this year, I felt God say that it was important for me to make sure that the foundations in the body of Christ are solid, are well-rooted, and that people actually understand who they are in Christ and what Christ has set them free out of darkness into light for. So the first week I told about love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And friends, if you haven't had the moment to watch that, may I invite you to do that? That is the very foundation, the cornerstone of everything we've built on. The second week I spoke about Jesus saying, follow me. And please, if you haven't watched that, please do, because that was what our journey would look like, what it looks like to be separated, what it looks like to be set apart, what it looks like to walk the narrow journey, what it looks like to be taken out of darkness, out of this world, and to live kingdom, lifestyle, values, and understanding. And now today, I want to, be, I want to talk about responding to our call discovering our destiny. Now, so many people contact me or stop me and they say to me, please, can you give me a prophetic word? I want to know what my destiny is. I want to know what God has called me to do. I want to know what he has for me. I want to know what God wants me to do going into the future. And you know, there've been many, many times, in fact, it's happening more common than not. When God says to me, do not say one word. He says, do not because they're not ready to hear what I have got for them. And friends, that's a very serious comment from Jesus. And I don't take that flippantly. And I don't take that lightly. When he says, do not, I do not. And when he says, do it, I do it. But the biggest thing I want to let you know is this. Do not be so, so focused on knowing what is coming that you miss what he's doing right now. So I really pray for clear revelation today, for you to understand how to walk into the fullness of the destiny that God has for you. Fulfilling our destiny, we have to have the revelation that God planned us, that God not only planned us, but he handmade us. We have to have the revelation that nobody is on earth just by mistake. Nobody is on earth because it's a good idea. Nobody is on earth because they were created in a, in a raunchy room one night. They are on earth because God chose to release a soul into a conception that has a planned destiny. That's the first thing I want you to know. Our lives are not a case of hit and miss. Our lives are not reliant on fate, on karma, on circumstances. But they are fully and totally reliant on our choice making every single step of the way. Now it says in Psalm 139 verse 3 to 17. You scrutinize my life and my rest. So God doesn't only look at what you do, but he looks at how you rest. He looks at how 
You enter into restoring, refreshing, and reviving your body, your soul, and your spirit. It goes on to say, um, you are familiar with all of my ways. Even before I was formed, you, uh, even before I have formed a word upon my tongue, you know that completely. God knows exactly what is going to come out of your mouth, friends, before you've said a word. You encircle me from back to front, placing your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is beyond my reach and I cannot fathom it. Where can I flee from your spirit? Or where will I run from your presence? If I ascend into the heavens, there you are. If I lay down with the dead, there you are. And then I'm reading from verse 13. So it's Psalm 139, verse 3 to 17. You can read the in-between. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are marvelous. I know that full well. My substance was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depth of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days of my life were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts, O God. How great, how vast is the sum of them. You see, friends, not only does he knit us together in our mother's womb, but he pre-plans us. He pre-ordains us. It says before the beginning of time, he already knew what he was planning for you. And then he forms us in our mother's womb. And when he forms us in our mother's womb, he puts every single thing in seed form that we will need to be all that he has destined for us to be. You see, friends, he puts inside of us the seed of his character. He puts inside of us the seed of his creative ability in the talents that we get. And he puts inside of us the seed of our bloodline blessings. Now I want to look at that just a little bit more. You see, our character, um, part of you, that it is, is the way you tick. It's the way that you wake up. It's how you reason. It's how you think. And it's how you behave. That is your character gift. And it does not matter from the moment that you were born, this is how you are going to tick. Whether you're ever born again or you're not born again. The way you reason, the way you think, the way you do things, the way that you respond to things is part of your character gift. Now, Romans 12 describes them in verse 6 to 9. You see, our character gift, there are seven of them, is part of God's character being placed inside of mankind. And he places it inside every single person. What are they? Well, some are visionary leaders. They are strong, number one, visionary, powerful leaders. They are movers and shakers, and they shift wherever they go. That is their calling. Number two are servers. Friends, servers serve, no matter what you put them in. No matter what position you put them in, no matter what place you put them in, they serve. They give abundantly of themselves to meet the needs of God, firstly, and of others. They are incredible people. Number three, mercies. Mercies are the most incredibly caring people you will ever meet. They are absolutely focused and completely in, 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 um absorbed by one person at a time they will look deep into your eyes and they'll say to you what is wrong with you how are you and they will mean it and they will feel it and they will understand it and they will have compassion for you the trouble with mercies are they tend to operate in gray because they can never actually discern what are they picking up and what is god what is them what's an environment what's a situation because they were created to be so incredibly strong in the area of perception and discerning of other people's pain and hurts then you get teachers now friends teachers are born teachers are born from the moment that they are born they will gather teddy bears they will gather dolls they will gather friends and they will equip they will train they will teach them it oozes out of every fiber in their being they will research they will study they will be well read 
because they've got to bring complicated people, uh, complicated information, and make it simple for people to understand. So teachers are born. Then you get encouragers, and I always say they're like the champagne bubbles or the pom-pom girls. They see everything in life as half full. They walk around just encouraging everybody. It doesn't matter what the problem is. They will just see the good in it and they'll encourage you. And you know, they're the sort of people that say, oh, shame, I'm terribly sorry to hear your dog died. Do you have a cat? It's like, guys, this is sad. This is terrible. But let's look on the bright side. And they are enthusiastic and vibrant and passionate. And they gather people very easily because they're just such positive life-giving people. And then we get givers, friends. And these are people that have been anointed to sow generously, financially, into the needs of other people. That is what God created them to do and that is what God called them to do. And because of that, they're really good at money management. They're really good at, at finding bargains. They're really good at making the penny stretch because they're always sharing. And you know what the principles of God is? As you sow, you reap. As you sow, you reap. The more you give, the more is going to come back to you. And friends, that's the thing about every single part of our character gifts. That is what makes us tick and how we operate so that we can give what we carry to other people because together we make up the person of father god now the final one is the prophet now prophets are born friends they have a very sharp tongue they're very black and white they are incredibly tenacious some will call it stubborn they cannot be shaken they will fix their eyes on fighting for justice and they will not stop fighting for justice so this is the seed of what God puts inside of us. And so friends, we've got to know, and some people are, we all are a bit of a combination of more than one, but we all have our number one ultimate seed of strength. Now friends, remember, seed must be planted. You've got to plant the seed gift of character that God has given you in good soil. That means put it in a place where you can be trained, equipped and nourished well with the right people and the right information so that you can develop mature and grow you see we are born as seedling we are born immature we are born with a rough version of what we meant to be and god's going to take that and bring it to maturity he's got to take the shell off the seed so that what's inside of it can grow it has to be fertilized and depending on what you fertilize with is what you're going to see growing. It has to be watered. It has to have sun. And friends, every one of us need to be planted somewhere where we can be cared for, nurtured and held accountable. We have to be fertilized with the right word of God. We have to have the Holy Spirit's word. And we've got to be completely surrendered to the Son of God. At first, a seedling is protected against wind. You do not take a seedling and put it out in the strongest wind. You keep it aside. You grow it. You teach it. You, you strengthen it. And when it's strong enough, that's when you place it specifically into the wind because it has a job to do in the wind. They plant trees to cause a barrier because of the wind. And so, friends, we have to understand what God does within us. Um, your thinking, reasoning, and seeing things are not normal. Every one of us think I'm normal and everybody else is cuckoo. No, you are not the measure of normal. You are only the measure of one seventh of who God is. The measure of normal is when all of us come together and all of us hear God together. And one hears it from this perspective of caring deeply for the people. One hears it from the perspective of breaking open, moving, shaking, establishing. One hears it from this perspective of serving and making people comfortable so that they can fulfill it. One hears it from the perspective, I need to teach them how to do this. One hears it from the perspective, I've got to care for those that are battling. And one hears it from the perspective, I've got to provide finances so that this can be established and friends the voice of the prophet is to hear God and speak the direction but it takes a long time for the rest to come into agreement and alignment so please today I want you to say over yourself my character is not normal I cannot measure others against who I am 
God's character is normal and we've all got to come into the fullness of that. We are all part of a much bigger normal. It's called Almighty God. God does not want us to change our character, friends. You know, so many times when you get born again, people want to go and say to you, no, you've got to completely change. You're so wrong. They go to strong leader woman and they say, you can't be a leader. Submit, submit, submit and press them down because you can't be this. They kill them. And friends, unfortunately, that's been happening for too long. That's not true. Leaders are any, any male or female. It's what they, what, how they tick that matters. So what we have to understand is if you're a leader, you will either raise up in good soil and good fertile soil and be nourished into your fullness and wholeness, or you'll be in poor soil that will put a block on you and they will rebel. That's our choice. We've got to understand this. So we have to be in a place where we can develop into our fullness. When we meet a man that's very caring and merciful, then we, we criticize that and we want to say he's less of a man. That is not true. He's been created to care on a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, God does not want us to change our character, but to get rid of immaturity and unwise behavior. He wants to bring us into full maturity of the seed that is within us. He wants to develop the skill of our character and the anointing that that character carries. He wants to highlight our bad habits, our hurts, our training that we've received from others. And friends, that is why it is vital to have people that can speak into your life that can tell you the truth. Don't get offended. Don't get in a huff. Don't cut them off. Don't think, well, you don't agree with me. Therefore, I want nothing more to do with you. That is immature behavior. We have to say we are going to be put in environments where some people are going to encourage us to grow and other people are going to be there to sandpaper us. And friends, if you don't have both, you are unstable in all your ways because you're going to gather yourself with a whole lot of people that think like you do and you're going to condemn the rest of them. Every one of us needs somebody with a different character gift to walk a journey with us to bring us into full maturity. God is going to highlight bad habits. And sin is not our character gifts. Sin is our attitudes, our bad habits, our worldly perspectives. Sin is our brooding, feeling sorry for ourselves and blaming the world when God is dealing with you. It is not the weaknesses we have that is sin. You see, friends, a visionary leader wasn't created to care deeply for individual people. So when a person who needs their attention asks for it, they're not going to give it to you. Don't criticize them and judge them. They weren't created to do that. But a person that's very merciful, very caring, that's been created to care about how you feel, was not created to be a strong leader. And we have to know this because so many of us live our lives positioned in the wrong place. We're frustrated, we're hurt, we're broken, we feel a failure. But we've placed this incredible gift God has given us in the wrong soil and it has not been celebrated. And I want to say to you, friends, find your soil. What is good soil? Good soil that challenges you, that grows you, that brings you to bring maturity, but celebrates you. That's good soil, friends. So we have to understand the difference. So God puts a character seed inside of us and he says, now go grow it. Because I don't, I'm not coming back for a seed, I'm coming back for a tree. And then he gives every single person the ability to have talents. Now friends, God is a creator. And every single thing made in his image and likeness carries the seed of creation. And so we have to understand that for some people, the greatest anointing is on their hands. And you will see their art, their sewing, their woodwork, their creations. You will see what they produce through their hands. And it will be obvious for everybody to see. Some people are anointed in their minds. And they've been anointed to create in the area of, of inventions. Or in the area of writing. Or in the area of presenting on paper what God is creating through them. For the world to see. Other people are incredibly anointed in their form. In other words, in movement, in running, in dancing, in climbing, using your body to glorify God, friends. 
and every single person anointed in their form has been anointed for others to see. You have to know this. Because if you don't know this, you will be fooled by the enemy. And then you have people that anointed in rhythm. In other words, they feel the sounds of heaven and they bring it to earth through singing, through music, through instrumentals, through drumming, through any form of rhythm coming through their body. To give it away, friends. Why? Because our talents feed our soul. The moment that you start operating in your talents, you find your soul being refreshed and, and absolutely coming into life. David often said, why are you so downcast in all my soul? Put your trust in God. And what did he do to do that, friends? He went on his musical instrument. But he was also a number one visionary leader. And so we've got to say, God, you've put your creative ability in me. So many people say, I'm not creative. No, you're measuring it on what your hands can do. What can the rest of your body do? And every single one of us have been anointed on our mouth. Because every single one of us carry the power of creation in our mouth. And that is why, friends, when you speak negatively, you create disaster for yourself. But when you speak life, when you speak according to heaven, as I spoke about last week, you release angels on those words. And you are creating the future of glory for yourself through the power of your own mouth. Now, that is every single person. How much more on a prophet? How much more on one that was created for their mouth to be used for the glory of God? How much more? So friends, every talent gift is to give away because not only do you refresh your own soul, but you refresh the soul of others. So now you've got to understand this. The enemy is going to come and attack your talents. He'll attack your character gift by telling you that who you are is wrong and you've got to change. And how does he attack us? Through rejection, through fear, through um, unworldly thoughts, through believing we're not worthy, through making us feel inadequate, through saying you can't possibly lead here because you know what? What are people going to think about you? That's him stealing the very gift that is within you, friends. Now, what about talents? Every single area that God has anointed you in, to restore your soul, to fresh your soul, to bring life to your soul is going to bring life to anybody else that's listening. And so he will tell you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're useless at that. Don't do that. He will shrink us so that we do not present our talents. He'll give us a fear of man that will say, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. You know, God never asked you to be good enough. He just asked you to do it. Or we will puff ourselves up and say, oh, my gift is so great because somehow you'll believe it belongs to you. No, it doesn't. It belongs to him. We've got to be very careful um, because God has given us the gift of talents to give away. Now, friends, we are expected to develop all these seeds into their fullness and we are to take the very, and that is why God places us in families first. Because a family is responsible for helping the seedling break their shell and stop their nonsense and stop letting the weaknesses of their character show and allowing the foundations of establishing a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he will not depart therefrom. When we believe that children will tell you how they feel and what they should do, we are giving them the right to stay babies, to stay seed form, to stay in the place where they are totally selfish, self-centered and focused on all about me. And so many adults are still walking around with their gift, with who they've been created to be, surrounded by a seed form, an acorn shell, a nutshell, because they've never allowed anyone to break that off them. And to grow what is inside of them. Now we also have the seed of bloodline blessing. Now friends, bloodline blessing are our greatest gift from heaven. Because as you look back in your bloodline, you will discover that if you're a strong leader, there have been many strong leaders. If you're a pioneer, there have been many pioneers. In the kingdom of darkness, they lead people astray. If you're a prophet, there have been many prophets. In the kingdom of darkness, they become mediums, fortune tellers. They, op they operate in darkness. 
You'll see them repeatedly because it's a bloodline blessing, friends. It's your portion on the bloodline. When we look at Jacob, we see that Jacob's sons bore the blessing of their grandfather, Abraham. Abraham's promise was fulfilled through Jacob's sons. Friends, there are bloodline blessings waiting to be fulfilled through you. And you've got to go and find them, ask Jesus to show you what they are and receive them. They are your treasure from heaven. You'll walk in that anointing that's been released on your bloodline. Then we see the bloodline clearly described of Jesus on his mother's side and his father's side. Why, friends? Because he showed us that Jesus fulfilled the bloodline promise on his bloodline. Friends, every one of us have got a bloodline promise on our bloodline that God wants to deal with, wants to release. But he wants to deal with bloodline curses. The trouble is the enemy has come in and stolen seed every single generation. And that results in bloodline curses. And we, the, we, we've come into agreement with the enemy specifically, directly. We've opened a massive door. But where we've come into agreement unbeknowingly, then we've opened a window that we didn't even know we had to shut. And we've believed the curse. We've lived under the curse. We've never been set free of the curse. Because number one, you think you are normal. And number two, you can't recognize what is not according to the kingdom of heaven. And number three, you haven't allowed anyone near you to help you break free of curses. It's important, friends. You see, the blood, the blood of Jesus came to break every curse. And you can live in the freedom of every curse broken when you're under the blood. But if you're not under the blood, guess what? And many Christians are not living under the blood. You are still living the fullness of every curse. It is our responsibility to come before the Father and remove what the enemy has stolen off our bloodline so that we can receive the blessings of the bloodline. Now, the next thing I want you to know is every one of us have, fallen, have, have been born into a fallen world, friends. There's no such thing as a good family. Every family was established out of a fallen world. Some just have a deeper darkness than others. Some have been established in a place where the darkness wasn't very deep. Others in the deepest, deepest of darkness, where they've known nothing else but darkness. That's the truth. But all of us have been taken out of darkness into his marvelous light. It says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 that when we are called, and this is what I'm talking about today, how do we respond to the call? The first thing we have to know, we are called out of darkness into light. We change kingdoms. We allow someone to help us change the way that we have done things, our habits, our attitudes in the past. We rely on the Holy Spirit to transform us. We change kingdoms out of darkness into light. The next thing that's really important that we have to know, the Holy Spirit has been brooding, brooding over us, calling us closer, drawing us to Jesus from the day that we were born. So the call, many are called, few are chosen. The callers come out of darkness and then the Holy Spirit broods and he prods and he broods and he nudges and he broods and he sends angels to protect us even when we don't know that. And he broods while we are in darkness trying to draw us out. Once we accept the call, we realize that God has been watching over us and calling us closer all of our lives. Once we respond by accepting the call, he chooses us to fight our created, to fulfill our created destiny. Many are called, few are chosen because he calls us, but very few respond to the being chosen to the call. Very few respond to the call and say, Lord, Jeremiah, use me. And when you do that, he chooses you. And friends, he takes you very seriously. And he starts the journey of what he planned for you before he formed you, why he's been calling you to prepare you for your destiny. And I want you to know something else, friends. God never forces anybody Anything with the force behind it is never, never, ever, ever, never God. Number two, what he planned you to be will never change all the days of your life until he establishes in your life if you let him. Number three, what he's planned for you is not for this world. 
It's for eternity. This world is just the first training ground to establish you well so that you can take that mature son of God into, into eternity with you. Every step of the crossroads of our life or the destiny changing times of our life, God says, you choose. I lay before you life and death, you choose. How do we fulfill our destiny? Well, Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. In all your ways. Not in your spiritual life. In all your ways. In your finances, in your parenting, in the way that you operate at business. Will the people who see you Monday to Friday believe Jesus because they met you? Proverbs 20, uh, Psalm 25 verse 4 says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, A person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19 verse 21 says, Many plans occupy the mind of man, but the Lord proposes what the Lord's proposals are will prevail. Many plans. And I listen to people sometimes talking and their head is full of plans, full of dreams. But very little gets placed on this earth. Very little manifests. Because A, they have not given, acknowledged the Lord in all their ways. And B, He is the one whose purposes will prevail. So how do we do this, friends? Well, once you've accepted the call and once you've chosen to follow Him, we surrender in every situation to the leading of God. The Holy Spirit will guide us. He will teach us. He will show us. He will direct our path. He will comfort us. He will fight on our behalf. We surrender. God, not my will, but your will be done. That's exactly what Jesus had to do, friends. We have to surrender. It's not the way your character wants to work. You know, so many times as, as prophets, we want to go bulldoze everybody and we want to go make sure it happens because can't you see the urgency? Remember, your norm is not their norm. It takes wisdom to be able to help people into hearing you and allowing them to be transformed by the Holy Spirit to be able to establish it. The second thing, friends, is... Um, if we acknowledge him in the first place, we will not go around a mountain. We will not make a bad choice that has to be fixed. He wants us to go. Um, he waits for us as we all go through many, many mountains because of our own plans and because of our own choice making friends, which will result in your own pain. And even then, most of us blame other people. We blame God. We never say, I made a bad choice. He still waits, patiently waits. And eventually, when we humble ourselves and we come before him and we say, God, forgive me, I made a bad choice. He will come into that situation, friends, and turn it around. <coughs> but, sorry. <coughs> but it takes recognition. It takes repentance. And it takes surrender. And then, friends, obedience. How do we do this? By surrendering to the will of God. If we do not, oh, in every area where we live, who we, what career we choose, what partner we choose to marry, what job offers we have, do not in any way accept anything until you spend time with God. And then along the journey, we will make good and bad choices because no one is perfect. He will use them all to shape and form us. You know, friends, I want to say at this point, the thing that has really saddened me over many, many, many years of ministering to and speaking into the lives of leaders and elders, of being able to, to be drawn from, to be able to go and encourage and build and help leaders and elders. The one thing that has saddened my heart terribly is that when I've gone into a church and they're floundering and they're asking for help and, they, and they're saying, can you please help us? Or they're saying, we just want to know what you think of our church. Or can you give us a prophetic word for our church? And I look around and I see what God is allowing me to see. I ask one question, friends. And I've done this for almost 30 years. 
One question. So tell me, what did God say to you to, to confirm that this is what he's called you to do? 90% of the time, if not more, the answer is, well, you know, we were in training program with this person and they equipped us and they trained us and they identified our anointing and they recognized our leadership and they said, it's time for you to go and plant. Really? So it was a good idea. It was another person's idea. They recognized the anointing on your life. They recognized your character gift. They opened a door for you. And now you don't have the grace, the stamina or the anointing to fulfill the door that they opened for you. And now they look at you and say, you're the failure. You're the one that blew it. Friends, we just have to look around us at how many people start and never stopped. We have to look around us how many churches have closed. We have to look around us how many big names have fallen. We have to look around us and see what has been happening. And it breaks down the body of Christ every single time. Well, I'll tell you what's been happening. People have been positioned by other people's opinions. They did not have the character gifting. They were not mature enough. They did not have the grace. They did not have the stamina. And they didn't have the anointing. Because nobody can give that to you. They can advise you. They can speak to you. They can even give you prophetic direction. They can even recognize what's on your life. But they cannot give you what you need to fulfill your destiny, friends. And what happens? We run out of our own personality. And there's nothing beyond that. And so many Christians are burnt out. Well, you're burnt out because you've been operating in your own strength. And so, friends, it's really important for us to see this. And I'm not judging anybody. Friends, I've had to go through this. I've had to go through me crying out to God, saying I'm burnt out. God, help me. I've done what you've asked me to do. And audibly in my spirit, God said to me, no, you've done most of the things because you thought you should do it. I never asked you to do it. That was a wake-up call, friends. And so I want to say to you, as we've got to be very cautious, are we hearing God? What has God said to you about your future? You know, I always say to people, if you want to know what God is preparing you for, and don't be so busy on the end result that you can't see the journey. If you want to know what God's preparing you for, ask him for a word in your spirit. Then ask him for a word in the word of God. And then ask him for a confirmation. And friends, that word where he speaks to you will unshakably root you on what God has called you to do. Now, I want to say something else here. When we understand the vision of our destiny too soon, and I've seen this happen so many times. Somebody recognizes an anointing on your life and a character gift, but you're still living in the soul state of who you are. They tell you, you know, God has called you to be a prophet to the nations. God has called you to be an, an apostle to the nations. God has called you to do, be a businessman that conquers the world. We have these massive, massive gifts. I mean, this uh, massive prophecies about God's plans for us. Friends, those are God's plans. And his plans are always bigger for us than what we, are, what they, what we see them to be. But the truth of the matter is, friends, that plan is going to be the workings and the destiny of the well-established oak that stands powerfully carrying fruit will then be used in that. It's not for the seedling who still got a hard shell and thinks they're puffed up and great. And then the saddest thing of all is people will come to you and say, well, you know, I'm an apostle, but no one recognizes me. I'm a prophet, but nobody listens to me. I've been called to the nations, but nobody's opening doors for me. Actually, friends, what you've done is you've immaturely stepped into something that you've had a tiny glimpse of. It's puffed you up. And then they become a rebel to the body of Christ. No one can tell me what to do. I'm an apostle to the nations. And they wander around causing harm to the body of Christ, friends. It grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves God. Because when he gives us a glimpse of where he's taking us, and I want to tell you, most of us can't cope with where we're actually going. If he gives us a glimpse of that, friends, we have to be in awe and in humility and in surrender saying, God, it's too big for me. 
Help me. You know, Manoah, the father of Samson, when he got the prophetic word about Samson's life, he cried out to God, God, send us the angel to teach us how to bring this man into the fullness of his destiny. Paraphrasing. You know what, friends? Many, many years ago, many years ago, God told me that I would be used in ministry. I was 17 when God started talking to me. And God told me that I would be used in ministry. God told me that I would be part of running churches. So when it happened and the opposition came, well, you can't argue with what God said. I will just do what God told me to do. I didn't fight it. I didn't resist it. I just did what God told me to do. And then I got my first prophetic voice. My first prophetic word. Your voice is anointed and it will be heard in the nations. My thought was, wow, God's going to take me to the nations and I will be received as a prophet teacher and people will invite me in because I've been anointed to speak into the nations. I have traveled nations, about 30, 32 of them. But that wasn't what he was talking about. Friends, today, in my room, in my own house, I'm speaking on a Facebook Live. I get feedbacks from Australia. I get feedbacks from America. I get feedbacks from Myanmar. I get feedbacks from, sometimes occasionally from China. I get feedbacks from, from um, um, Bangkok, Thailand. I get feedbacks from all over South Africa. I've had feedbacks from England. But I haven't moved one step. But my voice has been heard by the nations. And so I want to say to you, don't you decide what the end result looks like when you haven't even started the journey. And the bigger the end result, the greater the training. We need to understand that. In every situation, the Bible says in Isaiah 43 verse 1, I created you, Jacob. I formed you, Israel. I created you, Jacob, the deceiver, the surplanter. I formed you into Israel, the one that rules as God. And then he goes on to describe how he did that. Read it. Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3. In every situation, we have to watch. We have to wait. We have to surrender to him, his will and his leading. I also feel to say this to you. You may be a prophet born. That does not mean you're an anointed prophet to be heard until God's dealt with you to prepare you. And I think the greatest training on this earth is for prophets because he's literally got to die, kill you for that whole impulsive attitude, that whole impulsive drive that goes with the seed of being a prophet. He's got to anoint our tongues. He's got to teach us how to speak. He's got to teach us to be wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. He's got to prepare you for the call. You can prophesy, you'll be able to do that all the time. But until your voice carries an anointing that people are arrested by, you have not come into the place where he's given you the office of a prophet. Many people are living under the call. Most people are living under the call of a prophet. Very, very few have stepped into the government and the office of what that call carries. How do we do that? God decides, not you. God decides. Now, we surrender in every situation. Remember, he loves you. He planned you. He formed you. He will not force you, but he will never give up on you. He will continue ministering to you, and it's never, ever too late. You might take your whole life until you're old, and only then say, I surrender God. That's okay, because in the little time that you've got left on this earth, you will still do great things in your life. But friends, we have to know this. We will bear the consequence of our bad choice making. Where bad seed is sown, bad fruit will be reaped. We will bear the consequences. You can't fall pregnant out of wedlock and not expect to have a baby. You can abort it, but you will still bear the scarring and the pain and the hurt of what you did by bad choice making. But if we surrender to the Holy Spirit, he will come into any situation because nothing is too dark for him and nothing is too difficult for him. He will come into any situation. He will till our soil. He will cut back the non-bearing fruit or the bad bearing fruit branches in our life. He will fertilize our roots and he will turn everything to the good for those who love him. Our part is to surrender to him. It's really important that he doesn't give us the easiest route, friend. Sometimes it's the hardest route 
but it's the root that you need to train you. Once we surrender to him, he will take us seriously. Do not follow other people. Do not do what other people are doing. Do not do it because everybody's doing it. Because what he's got for you could be something completely differently and contrary to public belief. What's good for you is not necessarily good for other people. For example, friends, if God says to you, I want you to go and study theology, go and study theology. But don't tell 20 of your friends to go and study theology because you've got that. They will do it without grace, stamina, or any ability to complete it. They'll feel like failures. If God says to you, give a year of your life and go into Africa and be a missionary, go and do that. Now, in every situation, friends, we've always got to be planted in good soil. Remember this. We're not loners. But when we go and do what God's got for us, we carry everything we need, the protection, the grace, the anointing, the appointing. But when other people do it because you're doing it, friends, Heidi Baker is called to what Heidi Baker does. We should all be hungering and thirsting and understanding more righteousness. And we should all be wanting to grow deeper in the Holy Spirit and grow in our anointings. And we should all be absolutely convinced that God wants us to heal sick and raise the dead. But friends, she's got the anointing to stand against the Muslims, not you. So we don't envy her, we don't covet her, and we don't think somehow I want to be little what? Little Hardies. What is God saying to you? What is he saying to you? He's calling you. So our part is to surrender to him. Our part is to make sure that we completely invite him into every choice that we make. He will take us seriously. And after we've surrendered, friends, it's very important to be obedient. Now, obedience to the Holy Spirit means taking little steps. You know, we see the end result. I want to see a big hospital built on a hill. Well, it's going to take gathering every single brick. It's going to take little steps to get there. His dreams for us are much bigger than our dreams are for ourselves. His dreams for us are impossible for us. You cannot see them through the place that you are now. We will need to take faith risks. We will have people disagreeing with us. It's part of the journey. If they're agreeing with you, you're not doing what God's called you to do. We will only have grace and stamina for what he's called us to do. If it was, um, sorry, it will be easy for you, even though it will be extremely tough for others, because for you, you'll operate under anointing and the Holy Spirit and grace. We have to be obedient and obedience always stops with small steps, friends, small steps. You will not raise the dead until you've learned to pray for bed, for bread. Small steps, friends, important. Now, we learn to love him more. Every, we have to learn to love him more every day. I really want to encourage you, if you haven't watched it yet, watch the video on love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That is the way his character, become, our character comes into agreement with his and we come and be anointed with his love. Number two, we have to learn to rest in his timing. I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. Read the whole thing, but I'm going to read 1 and 10 and 11. There's a time for every season and every purpose under heaven. Verse 10 says, I have seen the burden placed by God on human beings in order to perfect them. He made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he set eternity in the hearts of people. Yet no one can fathom, comprehend what God has done from the beginning to the end. You know what, friends, you just didn't happen somewhere one day by mistake. You were a part of a perfect plan that started before the fall of Adam and Eve. The next thing I want you to know is that eternity is within every one of us. How do you know eternity is within you? I hear old people, 80, 90, saying, I feel the same as I did when I was 16. Because you're already living eternity within you. You're not aging inside. You're only aging on the outside. But you've got to align that eternity to kingdom eternity and not to the eternity in hell. We do not live in the future, friends. Stop living in the future. When you live in the future, you are making your plans. That's not what God's plans look like. Do not give destiny words. And that's why God often tells me not to give destiny words. Because they, the character hasn't been formed to be able to carry that destiny. And they get puffed up. 
And then we treat others as if they should see us the way our destiny is going to look like when we don't look like anything like that today. We have to live present. We have to live now. We have to enjoy the journey with the people that you are part of and in the surrounding and the environment that God's placed you. Some people in your life have been part of your life to bless you. Other people have been part of your life to sandpaper you. Don't shy away from sandpaper. Allow them to do it. When you see a piece of wood, you never know what the sculptor is going to bring out of that, friends. It takes a lot of sandpapering. Don't be scared of people speaking truth with love into your life and allowing you to be formed and brought into your fullness. Um, um, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Then I, I wanted to say, what is some of the situation he places us in? Well, the very first thing he usually stirs in the heart of young people is to get married. Marriage is God's plan, friends. When people decide not to get married because they're focusing on their career, they are actually saying, I want to stay in my seed form, completely selfish, self-centered, and I want to only care about me. And God said, I want you to get married. Because the moment that you get married, friends, what happens is God puts somebody in covenant with you and we start understanding what covenant actually means and what it actually looks like. It means laying down your life for another person, 100% on both sides. And it's that covenant and that living so close together that starts breaking the shell and opening you up to have a far greater capacity to love, to care, and to be less selfish, friends. Unfortunately, very few learn that lesson. They try to live as two individual people in a covenant and they end up destroying each other. Then God puts us into a family and he, and he creates us to become parents, friends. Why does he do that? Because it's only when your heart has been opened to bringing forth children. And that doesn't mean whether you birth them, whether you adopt them or where you care for them. In that moment, he starts establishing his father stroke mother heart inside of you. You start establishing what it feels like to bring forth fruit, to be responsible for fruit, to see life through new spectacles, to be far more responsible, to be far more aware of being what the decisions you make affect far more than yourself. They affect a, a partner. They affect children. They are watching you to see how you live life so that they will live like it. You know what, friends, when we present the Father heart of God poorly, when we are controlling, when we are abusive, when we use anger, rage and fear to control other people, we have to know the end result of that is, friends, you are raising up people that will behave like you. If you're using substance abuse and alcohol and drinking and causing them to believe, escape from everything, just get yourself high, you are raising up a generation that will do exactly the same. But when you cry like Manoah's the Samson's father, Teach me, help me. What happens in that moment? Your heart explodes. It expands. It gets bigger. Your capacity to be selfless. Your ability to be able to love more. Your ability to be able to lead well. Your ability to be responsible. It is the quickest way, if we take it seriously, of learning to mature that God can give us, friends. And we've got to enjoy every single season. It's vital that we enjoy every single season. So many people choose not to have children. Why? Because there's an area that you want to be stunted in. And I'm not talking about those who can't have. That's a completely different story. They're aching and has already been birthed in them to open up their parent heart. I'm talking about those who choose not to. So we have to understand that. It grows us in capacity, it grows us in responsibility, and it grows us in seeing beyond me, I, and myself. Remember, his training is for eternity, friends. And you're passing down the bloodline blessing to your children. Be careful you're not passing down the bloodline curses. Our character will be eternal. He's training us to be like him. The way we leave here is the way we're going to arrive there or there. Do not hunger after gifts, friends. Hunger after righteousness. But it's vital that we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us every day. 
Because it's the Holy Spirit that is the transforming power. It's the Holy Spirit that carries the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit that anoints our talents. It's the Holy Spirit that puts the oil and the fire in us to be able to be the fullness of what God created us to be. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us when we're doing things the way we, we always did or in the world and teaches us to do it God's way. Be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Study His Word. It is the rock on which we stand. Study the Word. If they took your Bible away tomorrow, is there enough Word in you that you'll never need it again? Be mentored, friends. Every single person needs to be held accountable and needs to stand with a strong and mature Christian, with somebody who cannot be shaken. They need to stand with men and women of God that represent kingdom well. Don't stand with people that think like you. It's very unwise to get counseled young people from young people. They haven't got a clue what they're talking about. It's all theory. They have not lived it. Get counsel from mature people. If we allow that in the season that the tree has to be protected from the wind, you need to be in the soil of mature, strong Christians that represent Jesus. And it doesn't mean to say you've got to be with them every day. It means you've got to watch them. You've got to listen to what they say. You've got to take advice from them. You've got to ponder on it. You've got to align it with the word for your life. And you've got to apply it. Surround yourself with worship. Change your atmosphere. There's nothing worse than walking into an atmosphere where people grumble and groan and there is a heavy cloud over them. <coughs> Excuse me. Shift that atmosphere. You shift your own atmosphere. Fill it with worship. And surround yourself with people who love Him. Friends, have fun. Enjoy life. Live present. Every day of your life is part of God's equipping you for your destiny. Every day of your life, God is equipping you for your destiny. Don't think I can't wait for this season to finish so that I can be who God wants me to be. You are being right now who God wants you to be. Be patient. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, rest and wait patiently. Do not strive. The system of this world is that you go to a job, you work hard, you study late, you put in long hours, you forget about your family, you forget about everything else, you please the boss and you get promotion. Well, that's the system of this world. The system of God is, I've given you your family, I've given you a home, I've given you your job, I've given you everything you've got. I want you to steward that well whilst I'm preparing you for a far greater thing. Be obedient, surrender, listen, let me show you the path and love every moment of your life. It is part of the journey. Do not strive. Do not look at people to open doors for you. The doors they open, they will shut. You know, I've heard so many people say to me, I'm so angry with them. The church has hurt me. They invited me onto eldership. They made me a leader. And then they said to me, you're fired. You can't fire destiny, friends. You may not be useful right now to them, but I want you to know something. If man opens a door for you, man can shut it. But God opens doors no man can shut. And he shuts doors no man can open. If you come to a door that God has shut, stop banging on it. It's shut for a reason. Go back to him and say, what do you want from me now, Lord? Isaiah 22, 22. What he opens, no man can shut. And what he shuts, no man can open. I'm talking about how do we walk into the fullness of our destiny, friends. Remember this. The God who personally planned you, personally handmade and created you. He personally called you through his Holy Spirit. Then he personally chose you. As he forms you from that moment, from the seed with a hard shell and the, the seed inside that has no power, no authority and no fruit bearing ability. He then breaks you open and he grows you up. And it's a journey called preparing for your destiny. Then he will anoint you friends and he will appoint you. He didn't create you for nothing and he didn't create you so that you can be frustrated. He created you for a specific plan and a specific 
purpose. In Jeremiah 1 verse 45 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, I have formed you in the womb. I know you. I set you apart for me before you were born. I sanctified you and I ordained you. Romans 8 verse 30 says, Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Friends, no one can steal your destiny. No one. But you can choose to walk away from the destiny by choosing the wrong path. If you have surrendered, if you are obedient, if you're hearing God, if you've got your eyes fixed on Jesus, if you're enjoying every moment of the training, if you're just saying, God, this is ain't no help me, and allow him to sandpaper you, if you receive the fullness of it, you will walk in your anointing long before your character is ready because the Holy Spirit gives us the anointing, friends. But that anointing without the character will result in disaster and people will be hurt. I can tell you over and over again the names of people that their character was absolutely admired by man. I mean, their, their gifting was admired by man. But suddenly they fell because their character had not been allowed to be prepared with God highlighting the areas where the enemy was going to come in because of their sin, bad habits and attitudes. People have fallen to prostitution. People have fallen to drinking. People have fallen to drugs. People have fallen by taking prescribed medicine that absolutely blocks them. People have fallen from pride and arrogance. People have fallen because they took the gift to be theirs. They took glory to themselves. Why? Because their character was not ready to carry what they were intended to carry. And once you've fallen, friends, it's very difficult to rise up again because the world looks at you as failure. The incredible, wonderful thing about God, repentance breaks the yoke, surrender, obedience, and then God will still make a way where there seems to be no way. Please remember, no one can steal your destiny. It is established in the annals of heaven. Every day ordained for you is written in his book before one of them come to be. You were created for your destiny. You were created to be that person that God wants you to be. The journey of preparations for some is very long, but there's a reason for this. Because once he puts the fullness of your mantle on the fullness of, uh, and the fullness of your destiny onto your character, you've got to be able to carry what he's prepared you to be. You look at Billy Graham, a man that his whole life just plodded along, fixed his eyes on Jesus, plodded along. He only did what God called him to do. He only did what God told him to do. He didn't look left or right. He wasn't like anybody else. He didn't try and be like anybody else. He just plodded along, saving souls, saving souls, speaking a very basic, simple gospel. Millions lives have been changed because of a solid man, an oak tree that would not be shaken. Look at Angus Buchan in South Africa. A farmer that just plodded along. He fixed his eyes on Jesus. He believed the impossible. He did what God told him to do. When all the farmers said it's not going to work, he said, God said. And his voice is heard internationally today because he's a mighty man of unshakable faith because he's rooted on the rock of Jesus Christ. Friends, are you in for the eternal destiny that you've been created to do? Or are you in for short-term glory? You choose. God will not force you, but he will transform you. He will sandpaper you. He will take the weaknesses of the gift. And he says, where you are weak, I am strong. He will anoint them. And he will empower you. And he will turn you into somebody that this world will look at and think the whole world is shaking, but you're not. What's different with you? That's who he's created us to be. Sons of God that in a time when the world is collapsing and falling, people know where to go and find shadow. They know which branches to climb and they know where they can be safe because you represent him. You look like him. You represent him. You're not him. You're just a human being, but you are filled with his character, with his talents, with his anointing, and you've allowed him to form you 
and shape you and transform you and shake you and test you and try you. We all have tests, friends. There's not one of us will go through this life without tests. It's a long, windy road. You can't see what's waiting around the corner. But in the times of testing, is he still who he says he is? Do you still rejoice in all circumstances? Do you still say, God, you're in control? I don't understand. Ecclesiastes says, <coughs> they, <coughs> they can't fathom it. They don't understand. I don't have to understand. My knowledge is limited. But I trust you because you know all things. You see all things. <coughs> you created all things. And you know the beginning from the end. Friends, no one can steal your destiny, but you can abandon it. And I want to say to you today, there's no shortcut to the fullness of who God wants you to be. There's just the incredible revelation that if you continue keeping on, keeping on, doing what he's called you to do, being who he's called you to be, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the day will come where he will put a mantle on you that the world will not be able to deny this person, this man, this woman walks in an authority that even the demons listen to them. God bless you, friends. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your season. And most of all, fix your eyes on Jesus. Goodbye, friends.